Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community. Welcome back to another episode. Thanks for joining me today. We are a little bit delayed on getting our things back from um, editing. And so with that, I just decided with the North American Menopause uh, Position Statement on non-hormone therapy being hot off the presses today, I would go ahead and just record a raw episode going over what are our non-hormonal options for vasomotor symptoms. So this um, 2023 um, position statement updates the last time there was a position statement that came out on non-hormonal management of menopause-associated vasomotor symptoms was 2015. So this is um, really nice to have an update looking at um, evidence-based review of literature and giving us an idea of what the several non-hormone options for the treatment of vasomotor symptoms are. Okay, so first, let's just um, generally talk about hot flashes and night sweats. We know that it's the most common uh, symptom of menopause and it occurs in up to 80% of menopausal women. Um, and these bothersome symptoms can last for a mean duration of seven to nine years, but in one third of women, they can last for more than 10 years, more than 10 years, ladies. So this is definitely affecting quality of life. Hormone therapy remains the most effective treatment and should be considered in menopausal women age younger than 60, we know this, or within 10 years of the final menstrual period, right? As long as there's no contraindications. But even though we know that this is the best treatment, um, there are still many women who are not getting treatment who are um, against having hormone therapy um, or maybe have other contraindications such as a history of an estrogen sensitive cancer, including breast cancer, coronary heart disease, um, having had a, a myocardial infarct, having had a stroke or a venous thromboembolism or an inherited high risk of a thromboembolic disease. So there are definitely people who cannot take hormone therapy. So I know we talk about hormone therapy a lot, but there are definitely non-hormone options. Um, but I want you to be aware of the snake oil, right? We have a lot of people touting, you know, the best option, um, this supplement and that supplement, but what actually can help your vasomotor symptoms if you're miserable and not a candidate for hormone therapy? what works and what doesn't work. So let's talk about what an advisory panel kind of looks like. These are your top clinicians and research experts in the field of women's health who come together to review and evaluate the literature that's published on these non-hormonal management of menopause-associated vasomotor symptoms. And they break the um, topics down into, this was divided into five sections. So lifestyle, mind and body techniques, prescriptive therapies, dietary supplements, acupuncture, 
and other treatments or technology. Okay. So I want to let you know, first of all, like there's different levels of evidence, right? So a level one is good and consistent scientific evidence. Level two is limited or inconsistent scientific evidence. And level three is this is a consensus and expert opinion, but we don't necessarily have the scientific evidence to back it up. They looked at different things such as cooling technique, avoiding triggers, exercise and yoga, and dietary modifications, as well as weight loss. Now, there's no strong evidence that lifestyle changes such as cooling techniques and avoiding triggers improve vasomotor symptoms, and there's insufficient or poor evidence to consider exercise or yoga as a treatment for vasomotor symptoms. Now, does this mean we don't need to exercise? Absolutely not. It's important for our cardiovascular health, but they're saying it's not going to relieve your vasomotor symptoms, your hot flashes, and your night sweats. A healthy diet also is important for health promotion and chronic disease prevention, but there's limited evidence to support that any dietary modifications um, can be used as a tool for improving your hot flashes, okay? Now, the one um, that they do recommend is weight loss, right? So a healthy diet and changing your um, exercise and eating um, patterns may help with weight loss, which we know that it is um, considered to improve vasomotor symptoms. Studies have found that women who are obese are more likely to report more frequent and severe hot flashes than women who are of normal weight. However, women in midlife do have a harder time losing weight. So I always recommend that you take a look at the eating plan um, called the Galveston diet developed by Dr. Um, Mary Claire Haber. Okay, let's move on to mind-body techniques. So here we're looking at cognitive behavioral therapy and mind-based intervention, haste respiration, clinical hypnosis, and relaxation. So cognitive behavioral therapy has been shown to reduce uh, the bother and interference associated with uh, vasomotor symptoms. So I want you to pay attention to that, the bother and interference. So it's not necessarily that it's reducing the frequency of hot flashes um, or the intensity of hot flashes, but it's maybe helping you to better cope with, right? So, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy uses a technique where we're, how we're thinking and how we're feeling. Um, and it kind of, what they were doing in this particular study is training in relaxation and paced breathing and cognitive and behavioral strategies to manage those vasomotor symptoms and identifying and cha the challenging negative beliefs about your hot flashes. That is one option. Okay, and clinical hypnosis has been shown to reduce vasomotor frequency and severity. I've always wanted to try hypnosis. If you've ever tried hypnosis for your hot flashes, let me know. So clinical hypnosis is that mind-body therapy that involves deeply relaxed state and individualized mental imagery and suggestion. And it's been wildly used to manage other chronic symptoms such as pain and anxiety. Moving on to the mindfulness-based interventions. Common features of mindfulness-based intervention include instruction and meditation practices and how to approach thoughts, feelings, and bodily sensations in an accepting, non-judgmental manner. So that's what we're referring to there. And for the management of vasomotor symptoms, they say there's limited, um, it's limited by sample size when we're looking at data, and there's a lack of control groups 
So, and so it's not been designed to consider vasomotor symptoms. So there's just not enough data to recommend this. Now, do I, am I a big proponent of um, practicing some mindfulness and uh, meditation? A hundred percent, because I think it helps to calm and center you um, and help you manage the stresses of life, but not necessarily your hot flashes. Okay, and then paced breathing and relaxation techniques. They did not find any evidence to alleviate vasomotor symptoms and it's not recommended. Okay, let's talk about prescription therapies. So there are many non-hormonal prescriptive therapies that have been evaluated and found to significantly reduce vasomotor symptoms in symptomatic menopausal women, but there were only two FDA approved for this indication. One is Brisdel, which is paroxetine, uh, Mesolate, it's 7.5 milligram daily tablet. So it is, there's no titration on this. There's one dosing and Fizolunitant, which is the new medication at 45 milligrams daily. We're going to talk about those both. Um, other medications that can reduce vasomotor symptoms include selective uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So SSRIs, uh, serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRIs, gabapentin, and oxybutynin. Typically, the onset of action is within two weeks. So we're going to start seeing some improvement after two, the two-week mark. There are limited trials that are looking at non-hormonal prescription therapies head-to-head -head with hormone therapy. So comparing the non-hormonal versus the hormone therapy and seeing how, how they match up. All right, so our key points are that SSRIs and SNRIs are associated with mild to moderate improvements in vasomotor symptoms. Gabapentin is associated with improvements in frequency and severity of vasomotor symptoms. So if you haven't heard about gabapentin before, it's FDA approved for anti-epileptic, it's an anti-epileptic drug, okay? And it's commonly used to treat um, diabetic neuropathy and post-herpetic neuralgia, most recently, um, cesarean section pain to help reduce opioid use. So there definitely are indications for it. It's typically given 300 milligrams three times a day. And it's shown at that dosing to have improved frequency and severity of isomotor symptoms. But with any medication, there can be adverse effects like dizziness, unsteadiness, drowsiness that are typically seen during the first week of use. And that may improve between week two and four. All right, pregabalin is not recommended for vasomotor symptoms because of adverse events and concern with controlled substance prescribing. Because of significant adverse events and no recent studies showing greater benefit than placebo, clonidine is not recommended. Oxybutynin um, has been shown to reduce moderate to severe vasomotor symptoms, although in older adults, long-term use can be associated with cognitive decline. I do not know a woman in midlife and later years who is interested in any amount of cognitive decline. So oxybutynin um, definitely is, is not on my list of preferred medications. Given limited data, sevaroxetant is not recommended. Okay, now let's talk about this um, fezolunitant. It is the first in class of neurokinin B antagonist that's FDA approved for the management of vasomotor symptoms. Um, this is very exciting. You might have seen the um, ad during the Super Bowl about hot flashes, and that's what this was kind of all um, surrounding is like the lead up to this and like bringing more awareness to hot flashes and this new medication. So, 
how does it work? And you might be curious if you're a bit of a nerd and are interested in this. Um, so there's, there's different areas that impact, you know, our temperature control. And it's recognized that there's a pulsatile gonadotropin releasing hormone secretion. Um, it's driven by an ensemble of pacemaker cells that produce kispeptin, neurokinin B, um, denorphin, leading to the coined acronym CANDY to describe this unique subset of hypothalamic neurons. So they're surrounded by this dense plexus of interconnected fibers that ensure that the CANDY neurons fire in concert and together to constitute this GNRH pulsatile generator. So the neuro, neurokinin B stimulates and dynorphin inhibits sustained pulsatile kispeptin secretion. You're like, okay, this is too much, Dr. Moyers. I get it. Essentially, the therapeutic development of the neurokinin B antagonist was initiated as a novel strategy to target these vasomotor symptoms and has shown great success. So it is... Um, acts on this area in the brain. It is given at 45 milligrams a day, further effect on vasomotor symptom-related mood or genitourinary, sexual, cardiovascular, metabolic, and bone health is lacking. Um, higher doses appear to suppress LH, but not estradiol in postmenopausal women. Um, so there definitely seems to be some advent, it seems to be advantageous to those who are poor candidates for or not candidates for hormone therapy. All right, moving on to um, dietary supplements. So this is a huge one. Like patients are always asking, what supplements should I take? Should I be consuming more soy, less soy? Does black cohosh really work? I mean, rhubarb, wild yam, um, evening primrose, right? Ginseng, maca, uh, milk thistle, omega-3 fatty acid, vitamin E, like all of it. We've heard it all, right? But given mixed evidence and benefit of benefit for vasomotor symptoms, soy foods, soy extracts, soy metabolites are not recommended. Given a lack of rigorous evidence-based scientific research supporting the use of any over-the-counter supplements and herbal therapies for the management of vasomotor symptoms is not recommended. Now, does this mean that you should throw out all of your supplements? No, it just means that there are no specific ones that, that are proven to decrease your vasomotor symptoms. So there's not any particular one that I can say, this is absolutely what you should take. You know, there's no particular sub uh, supplement that all of my patients are on. It's very um, specific to that individual if there's a deficiency, et cetera. Um, okay, and then they even looked at cannabinoids. So is marijuana gonna help those vasomotor symptoms, right? Um, and it is not recommended for the treatment of vasomotor symptoms. There was a lack of evidence um, to support its use. All right, and the last category is acupuncture, other treatments and technologies. So this is looking at some interesting things, looking at um, acupuncture, chiropractic intervention, calibration of neural oscillations, um, stellate ganglion blocks. So a couple of like new and interesting things. Um, and the key points here are that existing evidence doesn't support the use of traditional acupuncture for the treatment of vasomotor symptoms, but there are looking at electroacupuncture and that, um, is requiring more studies, but that's something of curiosity that the experts are looking at. 
Stellate ganglion blockade might alleviate moderate to severe um, vasomotor symptoms in select women, but it's associated with potential risk because it's um, a procedure. And then calibration of neural oscillations and chiropractic intervention are not recommended for the treatment of vasomotor symptoms. So there you have it. That's it in a nutshell. Um, vasomotor symptoms are common in midlife women. They re and oftentimes remain untreated. And we know that these symptoms disrupt the quality of life and the overall well-being of women and can last for 10 years or more. Uh, hormone therapy remains the first line recommended treatment to treat vasomotor symptoms in healthy women at or around the time of menopause. But we know that not everyone is a candidate for hormone therapy. And because of this, we have to have some good, reliable alternatives, right? And so this is just looking at what is actually recommended. And so just as a reminder, those things that were recommended were cognitive behavioral therapy, clinical hypnosis, SSRIs, SNRIs, gabapentin, fesolunatant. Those are level one recommendations. Level two to three would be weight loss in the stellate ganglion block. And the rest of them, there are either negative or insufficient evidence um, to support. I hope you find this helpful to just know what non-hormonal therapies are out there. This empowers you because a lot of times you may not have someone in your area who is a menopause expert. And so knowing what is available, knowing what is recommended, you know, oftentimes I hear patients who come to me who are very frustrated because the only thing they've been offered is an SSRI uh, or an antidepressant. And they're frustrated because they want other options. If you're a candidate for other options, fabulous. We know that hormone therapy works very well, but if you're not, this empowers you to know what is available, what's out there, what are the experts actually recommending, what do we have evidence to support. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.